Oh 
want you to use your tongue. I want you to be out loud. Be loud for God. Ask Jesus for peace. Come on, LFA family. Put your hands up. gentlemen, I want to welcome you today on LFA TV on this very, very special episode number 157 of Rise Up. 157 episodes, so close to 200. We don't know where it's going. We don't really, didn't know it was going to happen. We have no idea what comes next. And do you know, for the first time in my life, I can sit here humbly and 100% tell you that I am at more peace not knowing what comes next than I ever was trying to control every single thing that happens in the next five minutes. You want to know what that's called? Peace. That's called peace because I've been able to give it all to God. I've been able to say, Jesus, take the wheel. I don't want to drive anymore. I've been driving for 30, at that point, I've been driving for 35 years, 36 years on my own. I'm tired. October of 2016, I'm tired. I can't drive anymore. I can't make it anymore. I either have, ha- have to stop in my tracks and die or ask somebody else to drive. And I can't think of a better person to ask to take the wheel than Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Son of Man, who came to take the sin of the world and defeat death so that we could have a relationship with our Father in heaven again. Can I get an amen? How many of you are still driving? How many of you have been driving for years and you're tired? 
It's okay to say it. It's okay to admit it. You can't ask for help if you cannot admit that you are exhausted of driving. Let's do that today. Happy birthday to Colt. Little Colt who watches Rise Up every day. More youngins every day. And happy birthday to Skyler. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Colton Skyler. Happy birthday to you. You know, I was watching The Chosen last night because I didn't uh, give up on The Chosen. Not at all. Matter of fact, I prayed very, very much for those people. And as I was sitting here watching a few of the cast members on The Chosen do things that I did not agree with, and I was talking with God, I believe it was revealed to me that the devil always, always divides what is good. Always. And if you ask me what the best thing to happen in this Jesus revolution is, has in the last few years, I would say top five was the show The Chosen until that moment. And then I was like, torn. So I was watching The Chosen last night. The newest season. Because I wasn't going to let the devil divide me from God's message. And I think The Chosen is one of, if not the best representations of Jesus' journey for the three years that he was teaching his ministry. It was the moment, and and I don't know if you guys have seen it or not. I don't know if you've seen it or not. So I don't want to really spoil it for you. But there's the moment right before the woman touches Jesus' garment and heals and he says, who touched me? Right before that, they're at Simon's house. Jewish man shows up. My daughter's dying. I need you, Jesus. I need you to come and touch her. I know she'll be healed if you touch her. Jesus says, you don't even know me. And he said, I know you. He said, I know you. And Jesus thanked him. He interrupted Jesus' meal. He interrupted Jesus' meal. And I'm sorry if this brings me to tears because it was a very, very emotional episode. Jesus just got back from traveling. He just sat down to eat. This guy comes in, interrupts his dinner, takes him away from what he was doing, takes him away from his conversation because of his faith. Because of his faith. So on the way to heal this man's daughter was when the unclean woman touches Jesus' garment and he feels like the, the, the healing power went out of him. And she was so apologetic. I didn't mean to touch you. I know I'm unclean. I'm so sorry. Everybody wanted to like get rid of her. And Jesus says, my daughter. And she starts bawling. And she says, 
I am nobody's daughter. And he said, show me your face. So she lifts up her face. She looks him in the eye. And he said, that is not true. You are somebody's daughter. And then he repeats himself and says, daughter. It wasn't this garment that healed you. It wasn't the piece of this garment that healed you. My daughter, it was your faith that healed you. And then he thanked her for bringing them together. I am so grateful, he says, that you and I are together today. Thank you for your faith. Thank you. You've made, he said to her, you have blessed me today. Everybody else was, don't touch him. Get away from him. Even the disciples were like, I don't think this is a good thing. Don't touch him. This, that, and the other. And he said, you've blessed me today with your faith. We're going to be talking about absolute faith today. And we're going to be talking about what happens. Scientific studies show what happens when a person reads their Bible daily. The Lord your God, the Lord my God, my Father in heaven, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Tell me throughout the Bible, many, many times, lean not on your own understanding, trust in me, the Lord, in everything you do, in all your actions, trust in me, the Lord. Amen? And those two showed absolute trust in Jesus, absolute faith in Jesus. And Jesus was brought to tears for their faith. I want to ask you, you know what? Before we get into this, before we get into this, Shishu said, Lord, Shishu said, Lord, please send me a friend. Seventeen minutes in, I'm already bawling. Shishu, you have a friend in Jesus. Unlike any friendship you could ever have here, it's more real, it's more tangible, it's more emotional, it's more loving and trusting than anything you could ever have here. I am so sorry you feel that way. That hurt. That hit home for me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer on this beautiful Tuesday. In Jesus' name, we go to the Lord in prayer. Father God in heaven, what a friend you are. 
Jesus, the Holy Spirit, what friends you are. The best friends. The friends that we can have complete faith and trust in. The friends that bring us love and understanding and compassion. In you there is no desire. In you there is no want that is not met. Lord, strengthen our faith in you today. Strengthen our trust and understanding of your word. Show us how to have uninterrupted faith, no matter what, so that we can cure what ails us. Jesus said, it wasn't this garment that healed you. It was your faith that healed you. Lord, help the people that watch and listen to this show today understand the importance and the power of their faith and heal and bring back restoration to people's bodies and souls and minds and spirit. You promise us that if, if we are asking in a godly manner and if, and, and, and if it is of your will, that you will bless us with every, everything that we ask for. For that today, Lord, we thank you. We ask that you're here with us throughout this whole show because we need you now more than ever. In Jesus' name, amen. She said, thankful, thank you, but I need a human friend is also a faithful one. Let me ask you this, Shishu. Where do you live? What state? Because I can guarantee you that there is somebody that's watching this show right now that would love to be your friend and is not very far from you. God brings us together. God brings his children together to do good and spread the word and bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Shishu, you didn't upset anybody. We just want to know where you live so we can come and friend you up like you have never been friended before. You're going to have so many people surrounding your house saying, hey, we're here to, we heard there was a friend in need. Jupiter, Florida. Oh, you met me in Miami. Okay. I remember now, there are so many people that live in Florida, so many people that live not far from Jupiter, Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time. Holy Spirit, activate. Holy Spirit, activate. Holy Spirit, activate. Let's go. Somebody please reach out to Shishu near Jupiter, Florida, and let's have a friend today. I guarantee you there's a lot of friends. I'm sorry for sniffling and... Wiping and <laughs> Rise Up is just one of those shows. About as real and transparent as it gets. Terry Lynn says, Eli, how about a shout out? Hey, Eli, give Terry Lynn a shout out, will you? St. Petersburg, Florida. Northeast Florida. Look at all these Floridians. Golf close to Florida. Shishu says, I'm bawling. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> All right. Before we get into the main topic today, 
about what happens when you read scripture daily. I want to talk about trust, full, 100% trust in God and his promises. Do you have it? Let me ask you a question. And I'm going to pop up the rumble chat here. And I want all of you to answer this question for me, please. Okay? Moses. Abraham. So many people in the past had 100% trust and faith in the Lord. Abraham was going to kill his son for the Lord. He was going to sacrifice his son for the Lord. Talk about a test. Noah built a boat for a hundred years. We're going to have a flood. We're going to have a flood. (laughs) What are you talking about? Noah is a conspiracy theorist until it rained a lot. It rained so much. More rain than any time ever. Moses. How many people did Moses lead out of of Egypt? Thousands? Hundreds of thousands? Does anybody know the exact number or roundabout? It was a lot. So I want to ask you guys a question. I'm curious as Christians... What's your answer will be to this question? Okay. <clears throat> Over a million. 600,000. A lot of people will say it was in between a half a million and a million. I don't think there's an exact answer. Some people say half a million. Some people say a million. Some people say multiple millions. All I know is it was A lot. I don't know exactly the number the Bible says. Is there an actual number or is it talking about like the number of tribes that were there and then how many people were in each tribe and then you're supposed to figure it all out? Long story short, here's my question to you. Ready? Got to be fast fingered on this one. Where was Moses leading the Israelites to? Where was, did God, Yahweh, where did he instruct Moses to lead the Israelites to? I'd like to see your answers. Pull this up. The promised land. Nice. Three promised lands. Four promised lands. Five promised lands. Freedom. Great. The promised land. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Every, almost, I would say 99.9% of you said the promised land, but I've only seen one person by the name of James Henry give me the answer that I was looking for. Into the wilderness. Now, you might say, Jeremy, this is a loaded question. I don't think it is. 
I don't think it is. Now, if he was leading them to the promised land and it was a week later or a month later, I could say, yes, he was leading them to the promised land. Maybe ultimately. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that God told Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my people go so that we may go into the desert and worship God. Why did he lead them into the wilderness? Because that's what God told him to do. You want to talk about faith. 40 years. 40 years he led them to the desert. So Grammy Love says, trick question. I I agree and I don't agree. My wife said, loaded question. I agree and I don't agree. I agree ultimately it was to the promised land. You're 100% right. Why did he lead them to the wilderness? He led them to the wilderness so they could worship, repent, relearn, and get rid of an entire generation that if they did not do this for 40 years, the promised land would have become another Egypt. Why? Because the people that needed to be cleansed out, die out, moved on, they were so tainted by Egyptian life that they would have had no idea how to act in the promised land, how to, how to build a new Israel, how to rebuild Israel up. He led them to worship. He led them to devote themselves to honor their God, Father Yahweh in heaven. That's where he led them to. And if they couldn't get through that, then they would have never made the promised land. But Moses had faith. Through all the grumbling, the fighting, the infighting, the crying, the worshiping of false idols, X, Y, and Z, Moses kept the faith. He did not, he was not leading them from Egypt, out of Egypt, to the promised land. He was leading them, God and Moses was leading them to the wilderness to relearn, to worship, to repopulate the new Israel, to completely let that first generation die off. Then the promised land. It's almost like saying this. I believe in Jesus. I'm going to heaven. No, you're not. No, you're not. I believe that God is real. Now I'm going to heaven. No, you're not. What are you talking about? There's a step in between, a big step in between that you must live through. And according to how that is done, not your works, I'm saying your trust and faith and love in Jesus Christ and God. You can say, I believe in God. I believe it. That doesn't mean Jesus is going to know you. That's, so you can't just say, Moses led them to the promised land. Well, he, he led them to the wilderness. He led them to worship. He led them to relearn. He led them 
for 40 years to become a completely different people. Then the promised land. So ultimately, yes. So when my wife said this morning, that's a loaded question, hon. I said, eh, you might be right. But it's a question that'll get us talking. It's a question that'll get us having conversation. And that's the most important thing when it comes to the Bible. So we can literally break things down, talk things out. I'm not always right. I'm not always wrong, but I'm always in the spirit. Annette said something very powerful. She said, feels like our nation is in the wilderness and we have a trans nation that needs to die off. We have a evil, an evil in this nation that needs to die off. Not the people. Although, if they refuse to, you know, then I guess that's ultimately collateral damage. Jeremy, do you think their years equal our years? Always wondered that. 100%. 100%. A day is a day to the Lord. A day is a day to us. A year is a year to the Lord. A year is a year to us. Now, you might see in the Bible, a year with... Uh, or a day with, uh, with God is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. That is only saying this, that God does not dwell and live within time. God lives and dwells outside of what we know as time. Time doesn't exist. That's what that says. So all these people that try to say, well, you know, maybe it took God billions of years to create the earth. Nope, seven days. Seven actual days, sun up, sun down. Then there was night, then there was morning, and a new day. Then there was night, then there was morning, and a new day. And on this day, God did this. He said it was good. Then there was night, then there was morning, new day. It's very clear. Throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament, all the way through. Continuity of a day is a day always. So, you are right, Jeremy. He didn't just lead them to the promised land. That was the goal. That's right. So again, yes, it is a question that you can say, well, ultimately, what was he doing? He was leading them to the land of milk and honey, 100%. But not before 40 years. So you're saying those that take their last breath and ask Jesus to forgive them don't go to heaven? No. Pretty sure if you've been watching me for a long time, you know that we don't know what happens in the last, per, in the last, life of a per, last few minutes of, of a person's life. We don't know. I'm not saying that, no. Jeremy, Yahweh already knows who will, be, who will be save his elected ones. He chosen us. We didn't choose him. Kind of and kind of not. I'm going to explain that too. There's a big question that I get all the time. Is God all-knowing? Yes. Does, has God been in your past, your present, and your future? Yes. Has God seen what will happen with you in the future? Yes. Is it preordained? Well, then how can you have free will? If God knows everything you're going to do, it's already predestined, how... How do you have free will? I'm going to tell you how. I'm going to tell you how you have free will and and God can be surprised or disappointed. I'll tell you how. You and I think that we have one timeline from beginning, middle, 
an end. Okay? Beginning, middle, and end. And what we choose on this planet determines what happens next. I think we can all agree with that, right? That's logic. Here is where God comes in, and here's how God sees it. There is not just one path for you. There is infinite paths for you. If I choose right now to smash this microphone, throw my coffee cup through this TV, and walk out, God knows what's going to happen next. If I choose to continue this show and not throw my coffee cup through that TV, God knows what happens next. If I decide to jump up and run out this door and run out into traffic and get hit by a car, God knows what happens next. If I decide to sit here all day and never leave this chair, God knows what happens next. Moral of the story is God has been in every one of your futures, every decision that you could possibly make. My rock and my salvation says God is never surprised. I disagree. I disagree. God talks about being disappointed in people in the Bible. The, God, there's no way God cannot be disappointed or surprised if there's free will. God has been in every decision that you make for your future. He's been in your past and he's in your present. So it's not as simple as people think it is. It's not as, oh, well, if I make this choice then this is free will. God knew I must have been, I would have done this. No, God knew that is one outcome of one decision you could make. That's omnipresent. That's omnipotent. That is God in everything, in all timelines, in all decision-making, no matter what. That is how you get free will and God knows your future. Isn't that crazy? Love the story of Joshua. He chose to lead the people after Moses passed and serve the Lord all the days of his life. Me too. Me too. He may be disappointed, but I don't believe he's surprised. Do you think God could make us in his image having so much power and not be surprised? Do you think Jesus wasn't surprised at some of the things that people did? I believe God can be surprised. I believe God can be surprised. I believe God can have hope. I believe God can be disappointed. I believe God can be angry. I believe God can be happy. I believe God can have joy. I believe God can be... We're made in his image. Everything that we have is from him. So if everything we have is from him then how does he not know those feelings, especially since he was manifest in the flesh and experienced everything that we experience? The Lord told Moses to stop praying and get moving. Prayer must have a vital place in our lives, but also a time for action. You are 100% right, and we're going to talk about that in just a couple minutes. Wow, I didn't know how much I needed this show today. I, don't, I, I say that every day. God is surprised. Yep, he wept because he was upset in us. He did Noah's ark because he was so disappointed in us. How can he be all-knowing and be surprised? I agree that he could, what people will choose, because he's surprised in what you choose. He can be all-knowing about every choice you can make. But he can be 
If he can be happy with a decision that you make, then why can't he be surprised? See what I'm saying? I don't think you could have one without the other. I know God's saying, please choose this. Don't choose this. Please choose this. Don't choose this. CQ, I disagree. I just disagree. He can be all-knowing and be happy. And if he can be happy with your decision, he can be surprised with your decision. Not shocked, surprised. Like, surprise, you did it. I am happy with you. That's my interpretation. And I know a lot of people don't agree with me. I see it in the chat. Surprise and disappointed, two very different things. Yep. And if we can be, so can he. I was to believe he knows you will choose before you know. There's a very fine line there between he will know before you know and free will. If you're saying that God knows every choice we're going to make regardless, but gives us those choices, then why would we have the choices? I'm not saying he doesn't know that it's possible to make a choice. I'm not saying that. But if you have free will, if you have free will, if I decide right now to test God, which I would never do, but if I decide to test God right now and run outside and shoot somebody, would that be uncharacteristic for me? If I decided today, you know what, I'm going to prove God. I'm going to prove, I'm going to prove free will. And I go outside right now and I say, you know what, I'm going to go out and shoot somebody. You think God, you don't think God would be unhappy with that and say, whoa, whoa, why did you do that? Why didn't you make this choice? You had this choice to make. So I'm not saying like he's shocked, like, oh, I didn't expect that. Of course, he expects everything. But you don't think that he's happy with one choice or disappointed with one choice? And if that's the case, don't you think that he could sit in there rooting for you to make the right decision? And if you're rooting to, and if he's rooting for you to make the right decision, even though he knows all possible outcomes of all decisions you can make, you see what I'm saying here? I'm not saying he doesn't know what you're going to do. There's millions of things you can do. Uh, it's like a parent knows a child can do. Let me let me read that. Hold on. It's like a parent. Knows a child can do something, but when the child does it, we have to show surprise to keep the child wanting to do more. Jeremy, I had that question many years ago, and the reason why he allows us to do what we chose, even though he knows the answers, is strictly love. I agree. I agree. You shall not test the Lord your God. Amen. Like I said, I never would. Free will, but yes, he knows what we will choose. I may be wrong. It was taught, I was taught that. It's time to pick up the sword. To break through the darkness. Heavenly Father, thank you for not giving up on me and my bad choices in the past. Amen. God gave us free will, knowing full well what our decisions would lead, that our decisions would lead to sin. God is the only choice I've ever made that was right. God hopes we will make the right choices. Angel Fit, you just nailed it. You nailed it. That's it right there. That's it. God hopes we will make the right choice and knows every outcome of every decision that we make. Milo says, I agree with you on this one. God says in the OT 
that he regretted making people before he flooded the world. How can you regret something that you knew 100% was going to happen? He knew it could happen, but still we have free will. I think there's a very, I think this is a bigger conversation than we're having right now. Tresno, you're kind of, I, th- I believe you're kind of right, kind of wrong. He says, I don't, Tresno, I don't know if you're a girl or a guy. I don't think God can be surprised because he already saw our future. He saw all of our futures. So Salty says, have to disagree with you. He knows all. His ways are not nor our ways, nor his thoughts are ours. He came as Jesus' man, and that's when he had feelings like us. So if that's true, then the first element of surprise, hold on, who said that? First element of surprise was in the Garden of Eden. The disobedience was from Adam and Eve, 100%. God even says, what have you done? God came down and said, where are you? Why are you hiding from me? You don't think he was disappointed? But again, maybe we're getting lost in translation here. Like defund the liberals says, it's bigger but I'm loving this discussion. It's far bigger than what we're having a, a discussion right now. As a matter of fact, I'd like to get some, some people that studied, like people from seminary, pastors, preachers. I'd like to get them in on this conversation. I believe it's so much deeper than we get and understand. But if we are of God and we are made in his image and we can have happiness and joy and love and anger and hate, somebody said, God is not capable of hate. God hates sin. Jeremy, be careful at teaching theological things without seminary training and love we ask. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't put much faith in seminary training at all, to be honest with you. Pretty much everybody that I've ever met that had seminary training is about as lost as Antifa. I'd just like to get them in to have this conversation with them. So if we're made in God's image and God can love, hate, be happy, joyful, disappointed, then let me ask you why he can't be surprised if we have free will. Not saying he doesn't know everything. He does. I'm just asking this very simple question of all of you that disagree with me. If you disagree with me and he can, and we're made in his image and he can love, he can hate, he can be angry, he can be disappointed, he can be sad. If he can feel all of those things, then let me ask you why he can't feel surprise. I'm just curious. I mean, this is my growth too, right? I don't know. I don't claim to know everything. This is my interpretation that I feel is correct. This is meat. Come on, Jeremy. Yes, let's go. God knows all and yet gave us our own choices, hoping that we will surprise him with the choice of returning to him. That's all I'm saying. I agree 100% conservative. That's what I'm saying. God doesn't give us unconditional love. That is what, 
or conditional love. That is why we have free will. He loves us that much. Agree. He knows everything. Agree. Saying it like that, I agree. But I still think, even though he knows everything, that he can still be surprised. Let me ask you this question. You know your kids better than anybody, correct? This whole show took a left turn a long time ago. We got so far away from what we were going to talk about today. Let me ask you this question, okay? You have parents. You know your kids better than anybody. You know that your kids are going to make the right decision when, when it comes down to it, right? You know 100%. You, you know. You just know my kid is not going to do that or my kid is going to do that, okay? But then they do it a lot quicker than you expected them to do it. Does that not surprise you, but you knew the outcome? You can know 100% my kid is going to choose this, right? And God knows more than you. God knows far more than you. But you know your kid is going to make the right decision one day or the other when it comes to X, Y, or Z. But then they do it years before you expect it. Are you surprised? Someone said, I don't like it when people disagree. It scares me that Jeremy will lose viewers. I'm not afraid of losing viewers of Rise Up. Maybe LFA, but not Rise Up. I'm surprised when my kids do things prior to when I thought they would do them. Oh, I didn't realize you'd understand that that quickly. You know what, CQ, you might be right. You might be right. Maybe amazed is a better term or a better word than surprised. Maybe you're right. Maybe instead of using the human word of surprised, maybe the human word to use was amazed. You might be right on that one. Maybe that's where we've got a lost in translation. CQ, you get the Smarty Award of the day. Because I think that's where we're getting lost in translations. Just with the definition of a word. Amazed is probably the right. See, this is why we talk things out. I love that you just said that. You just like clicked a light on for me even. And I'm the one talking talking about it. Yes, Mama B, you're right. This is wonderful, healthy thinking. Exactly. Impressed that we got it soon. Me too. I'm good. Nothing wrong with disagreeing. Great discussion. 100%. I'm not afraid of losing, losing viewers on Rise Up. Our vocabulary is limited. I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, Carol Moore says, great discussion. Just sitting back listening had to refresh over 10 times. I think you could look and, you know, surprise is amazed. You can be surprised at your child's actions, yet still know that they will get the truth at some point. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. Jeremy, you brought me back to Jesus. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I could have done that for you, helped do that for you. But I think amaze is the right word. CQ, she nailed it. Let's get to the topic of the day for a change, huh? We didn't even get into any books today. Amazing. 
I love these discussions. And like I said, I didn't plan on having this discussion with you guys today. Not at all. This is what I was going to discuss. All right. Trust in the Lord, right? Trust in the God with all your might, not in your own understanding. And they tell us to trust in the science on the left, right? Trust the science. Well, science is a good thing. God gave us science, right? Scientific study was done over a number of years from people ages 8 to 80. From people ages 8 to 80, that's a 72-year difference. So they really hit everybody. Black, white, old, young, didn't matter. And this study was to find out if there was any change in a person's physical or daily life by reading the Bible every day. It's going to blow your mind. Days one and two of reading the Bible, people did not notice much difference. As a matter of fact, days one and two, people were more confused than they were, you know, feeling like they were on the right track. But here's where it starts changing. And this is what I thought blew my mind. Day three, significant changes. How many days did it take the Lord to die and rise on the third day? Day three, significant changes. People started reporting tangible and real changes, not just in their soul, but in their bodies. On day three of reading a Bible, Day four, massive significant changes. And over time, from ages eight to 80, this is, here's the outcome of what happened. So people that read their Bible on an average of four times a week, four days a week, here is what happened amongst a multitude of people. Loneliness, people who said they feel lonely, like Shishu, went down 30% among the people that were, test- that, were, that were asked and were part of this experiment. Loneliness went down 30%, four days reading the Bible, four days a week. Anger, that's me, went down 32%. Alcoholism. Reading Bible four days a week went down 47%, Eli. Bitterness went down 43%. Now, if you take just 100 people, like just say we're talking about 100 people. By the way, it was thousands. But let's take away, let's just pretend it was 100. That means if there was 100 people after, after reading the Bible for four days, 30 of those people were not lonely anymore. 32 of them were not angry anymore. 47 of them stopped drinking alcohol. And 43 of them stopped being bitter if it was 100 people. Now, this is the biggest one yet. You ready for this? Over this span of study, People that read the Bible, scripture, four days a week, watching porn went down 60%. So if 100 people were watching porn, 
and then 100 people started reading the Bible four days a week over a period of time, 60 of them stopped watching porn. You want to know why agnostics and atheists refuse to read the Bible? Because they love themselves so much. They love their sin so much. They love their pride so much that they don't want to depart from it. They don't want to rid themselves of it. They want to live in their sin. But those who want to get out of it, those who want a better life, those who want all of these human things to go away, just read the Bible. The the Bible cures almost everything. And what the Bible can't cure, your faith will cure the rest. It wasn't my garment that healed you, daughter. It was your faith that healed you, daughter. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for this conversation today. I really do. I think the reason why we had this conversation today is because God wanted us to have this conversation today. I really do believe that. I believe God wanted us to have this conversation today for many, many, many reasons. Again, we were going to talk about the benefits of reading the Bible and having faith in God. We weren't even here to talk about the conversation that we actually had today. But that's the greatness of God. God said, this is what you guys need to talk about. And we talked about it. And the funny thing was about it was, or is, is that we disagreed so much of the show because of one word. So my wife said to me, these are loaded questions. And I said, no, they're not loaded. They're going to get us to talk. They're going to get us to have conversation. They're going to get us to discuss the Bible. And nothing in this world activates the Holy Spirit like pressing each other on our interpretation of the B-I-B-L-E, the greatest piece of writing, the greatest multitudes of writing brought together into one book. And we went from so many of us disagreeing to all of us agreeing because CQ was here in this conversation to change one word that changed the entire conversation. So from now on, ladies and gentlemen, when somebody asks you, how can you have free will but God knows all? I would hope that now you have a better understanding or at least a little bit more of ammo to take into that conversation. I may not be 100% right, but I really think that we are on to something again. What were those statistics again? People that read the Bible four days a week over time, loneliness down 30%, anger down 32%, alcoholism down 47%, bitterness down 43%, and watching porn down 60%. You can't tell me that the Bible isn't exactly what we need to cure everything on this planet because I know otherwise. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to take you out the same way I brought you into some beautiful worship music. Sean Farish and Ungoverned is coming up next, followed by Live from America. And ladies and gentlemen, trust me, I am never, ever, ever, ever worried about losing friends, followers, or anything like that here on Rise Up. Why? Because this is the Lord's show. This is God's podcast. This is a God cast. Ladies and gentlemen, we're all in it together. I love you all so very much. God bless you. Enjoy this music on your way out. And I'll see you at 11 o'clock. Stay tuned for Sean Farish coming up next. Thank you so much for the discussion. 
What a discussion today. I like these kind of shows. Let's have more of them. God bless you, and we'll see you tomorrow for episode number 158.